Um, so, um, brilliant to see you all. Welcome to some visitors. Brilliant. And welcome to the not-so-visitors, people who are coming. Brilliant. All good. Um, for the last few weeks, we have been looking, for those of you that have been coming, we've been looking at what now? All oh, the Lord's Prayer. Awesome. Okay. Um, and this is, this is week four of the Lord's Prayer, the fourth and final um, focused conversation about this. But I'd love to hear so far, for those of you that have been part of this conversation for a few weeks, what's really struck out from you, or to you, from the last few weeks of the Lord's Prayer? Like, what's kind of, what have you thought about? Or what's, what have you taken home with you? Or what's particularly resonated with you over the last few weeks? This is not a rhetorical question. I have the roving mic of doom. All right, okay, I'll, I'll leave you rest. Uh, you can rest now in peace for a little bit. So we are thinking about um, temptations <laughs> uh, and evil, Ooh, uh, seductions and evil this evening, um, the part of the prayer uh, that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, so you can start to think about your temptations, and I'll come around with the mic again in a moment. <laughs> I might not, don't worry. Uh, and uh, we will actually think about evil as well. So there's a few, um, a few ideas to start you with uh, that go a little bit like this, that uh, Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is located in the Gospels in the Sermon on the Mount, which is just uh, is the way the Gospel writers collected a lot of Jesus' teaching. And I just love the way that Jesus completely turned around what everybody thought was religious wisdom of the day. So there's a lot in the Sermon on the Mount about um, Jesus starts with saying things like, you have heard it was said, you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, and he changes it to what? Ish. If someone slaps you in the face, you turn the other cheek. So uh, the received wisdom of the day, uh, that was my paraphrase, the received wisdom of the day was if someone slapped you in the cheek, you slap them back in the cheek. Um, that was even religious wisdom. But Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, turns it all around. And the Lord's Prayer is a really big part of that. And I'd just love us to think, before we even get to the points that I have, of which there are many, you're welcome, um, how Jesus is constantly really challenging like wrong religion. Right from, the, right from the beginning, of which the prayer is one. So um, sometimes things that look good religiously are not what he's interested in at all. So uh, at the time, people were praying long prayers, as I imagine they were doing this, they probably weren't, but long-winded prayers. Some of them were babbling like the pagans, Jesus says, or long religious prayers. Uh, and this whole prayer is located as like this. I don't really mind what you say, it's your heart that counts. It's the heart. It's the heart that you bring to God that counts. There's no particular order of words. They're actually not magic words. Uh, they are words that we pray, but it's the heart that matters. It's not about being legalistic or pedantic or oppressive. Sometimes religion can be, but it's about freedom. Even at the heart of this prayer is a freedom in the prayer. It's not about, um, particularly at the time, things like poverty and illness and loneliness um, and unfruitfulness being God's curse on you at all. But instead, that those who are, what does he say in the, in the um, Beatitudes? Blessed are those who are poor, who are meek. Blessed are those who are grieving. 
Blessed are those who are humble, merciful. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who seek justice. He turns it right on its head. This whole prayer is all part of that narrative of Jesus. The stuff that, in fact, is religious lies, really. He's saying, you, you have no more. And before we even get into the idea of temptation and even evil, um, I'd just love us to pause, as we sometimes do, and just think about the stuff that we may have been told or believed in the name of Jesus that's nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. Nothing to do. So if you're willing, just to close your eyes for a moment in sort of reflection, I'll, I'll give you two or three, but you might have your own, and we're just going to ask God by his power to help us see what is wrong, perhaps, see some of the lies, and again, bring them to him. So Jesus, I thank you that you are reworking and recovering true faith. We pray this evening that you would rework and recover our faith where we might be holding on to stuff that's just not true. So if it has been said that we will amount to nothing in you, we recognize that's not true. If it has been said that we are not lovable, that we are not lovely, we recognize that that's not true. If it, if it has been said to us that we must look a certain way or say certain things to be acceptable even in your church, we know that that is not true. Rework, recover us this evening, Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, so also in this prayer, something I really love, maybe, maybe a little insight, is that uh, Jesus is really thinking here or evoking a lot of the Hebrew story, uh, some of which we know reasonably, perhaps, and some we might not really know at all, um, but particularly the Hebrews being... Um, brought out of Egypt under the slave owner Pharaoh into the promised land. There's a lot of that in here as well, which we'll touch on. Um, but the idea of um, give us today our daily bread would have evoked the idea of manna from heaven at the time as much as anything else. And we'll touch a little bit on that as well. So uh, Jesus is really bringing the whole thousands of years of uh, Hebrew Jewish history into this one quite short prayer. So here we get to lead us not into temptation. Do you know this part of the prayer? Do you pray it? <laughs> lead us not into temptation, unless I'm going here, uh, and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, some, some uh, translations add. Lead us not into temptation, but, uh, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, three ideas first, and then some other points, and then some other points and some stuff. That's how I'm going to structure this sermon. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right, three just landing ideas. The first is this, that the spiritual life is part of life. There is more to life than just the life that we see, the life that we hear, the life that we touch, 
the life that mostly we kind of experience. Uh, and I hope, I think, most of us kind of know that. Uh, but we do live in a world that doesn't really embrace much of the spiritual. It's a real part of life. There is a good and there is an evil. There are good things that happen. There are some bad things that happen. Um, but there's also a spirituality to that. There's a heavenly spiritual realm that is part of real life. Uh, you might ask me to prove it. That could be a long conversation and would we'll definitely need a glass or six of wine. Uh, but there is a real spirituality to life. Do, do you broadly agree-ish? You kind of, yeah, some of I know are going to be nodding enthusiastic. But there's a spirituality to us our spiritual realm. In other words, what we do here as part of church and what Jesus brought to us is more than just self-help and a good, nice, motivational talk from the front or not, as the case may be, depending how you receive it. Uh, there's more to it. There's a spirituality. It's a bit beyond fully our understanding. It's really important to understand that, particularly as we're talking about temptation and evil. There is an evil. There is an evil one. Uh, and the evil one is real. Um, they're not in the room, FYI. <laughs> you might think somebody in your family might be the evil one. They are not. They might be tricky, uh, but there is an evil one that exists, that exists in ways we don't fully understand. That's the first important thing. Uh, the second is that I'd really like us to think about temptation and evil slightly differently this evening. What a great entrance to a sentence. Um, it's a bit like this, and Jesus knows as well, he knows as well, right? So he knows that sometimes we have some internal temptations that are sort of from within, uh, and sometimes there's an external evil that is nothing to do with us, it's, it is just doing its thing. Uh, and I'd like us this evening, if we, if we can, just to start to think about which is which, because certainly I sometimes am tempted to blame my temptations on the external evil one, when actually it's my temptations. Oh, yeah, he's making me do it again. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, it's from within. Uh, and sometimes we can feel guilty for stuff that happens that is nothing to do with us. It's like evil from without. So there's kind of both things happening kind of at the same time. I love a couple of nods. You're either nodding off or you're willing to bear with me, I thank you. Uh, so there's just see it as internal and external, if you're willing, this evening. If you think about it like this, it's not an ideal analogy, um, but Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, and um, by the way, if you Google temptation, which I absolutely encourage you to do, brings up some wonderful things in your search engine, and um, if you Google temptation, uh, you're likely to see um, images of an apple, uh, and Eve, or sometimes a figure of Eve with the apple uh, in the Garden of Eden. Um, there was a sort of temptation, wasn't there, to eat the apple, sort of from within. Um, the whispering snake could be seen as the external, hard to call him evil, because he was made by God, but somewhere that external influence was what prompted her to do it. So it's a bit of both. And the third is this, really important. Are you feeling good already or not really? I feel like I've sucked the energy out of the room. Evil and temptation, great. So here's the good news. Good news. It's called the gospel news. Christ defeats evil. Right. So there is an evil, but the good news is Jesus wins. He has won. He will win, and he is winning. God's beaten evil. That lets me in no doubt. That's good news, right? 
There is an evil. Oh, no. We kind of see it sometimes. But God has won. Jesus wins. Christ wins. He is winning and will win. Uh, and this is the second bit to the good news. Ready for it? <laughs> All right. The Holy Spirit gives us power to overcome temptation. So in other words, he wins against this external thing we might call evil, or the evil one, uh, and he gives us the power to defeat temptation. So it's not just us trying to muster willpower to beat temptation. Willpower can help us a bit, but like it's really the Holy Spirit's work as well. I think that's great news. Thank goodness, thank God. Because he is winning against evil, and he gives us the power to defeat temptation. Now I've got you back in the room. Do you want to see evil beaten? Yes. Nobody's going to say no, are you? In this context. We want evil to win. No. Uh, you want to see evil beaten? Yes? Yes, yes. Do you want to see temptation in your life beaten? The power to stand against? Yes. It's a slightly trickier question. So those are your three founding thoughts. The spiritual world, it exists. There's this internal and external thing going on. And there is good news. This is the gospel news. It's Jesus coming to do his thing. Um, let's think first about temptation. I nearly burst into an old song, 1980s song, but I won't. <laughs> You're thinking it. <laughs> temptation. Um, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to see uh, if you're willing, um, if you can share with your near neighbor here um, a type of food that you find tempting. So my type of food that I find tempting is this. They are Florentines, particularly the M&S, dark chocolate Florentines. Do you know what a Florentine is? I don't even care if you don't know what a Florentine is. I'm about to describe it. A Florentine is of heaven. It's not just an M&S. It is made by angels. Uh, whatever, whoever, like, there's an angel somewhere. This is not biblical, just in case. There's an angel somewhere that's called Head of Florentines. And all they do is make Florentines. That's all they do. Um, the chocolate-covered crispy wafer-type chocolate on the top are layered on a bed of <laughs> biscuity delight um, with, what's it, what else is in the Florentine? Nuts! Chewy nuts um, and honey, all like baked into a little roundy thing. It's not disgusting, it is of angels. Really lovely. So like if we ever have a packet of Florentines in the cupboard, the cupboard of joy is where we put the Florentines. That goes with the Twixes and other things. Um, and I open the cupboard of joy and see Florentines. The chances are one or six will be eaten. Uh, and in fact, it's going to be six, to be honest. It's just the time frame. Um, five minutes or an hour. But they're going to get munched, right? So I love chocolate Florentines. Uh, what, do you, what do you find seductively tempting in food. And if you'd rather use a different example than food, that's absolutely fine. Something that you, you collect or something you'd love. Something you just love to eat, but it's like, oh, I can't resist it. What do you eat? Tell, tell, tell each other. What's the temptation? Um, so do you, do you think that when Jesus is asking us to pray, lead us not in tempta into temptation, what he means is lead me not to the Florentines? I, I, I mean, do you... I don't know. Do you think that's what he meant? Yeah. Oh, thank goodness, right? I feel vindicated. So like, I'm not 100% sure that sort of stuff is what he meant. There's a bit of that that's true. So we, we joked a little bit about food, but there are some things that we find addictive and are quite seductive in our lives. 
um, that aren't healthy or helpful, and I'll touch on those in a moment, and I think there's something else here that Jesus is really trying to grapple with. The stuff that we kind of get a bit tempted by sits on this major problem, and that major problem is called pride. And it's where we place ourselves above him. And that's the source, really, of most of the temptation. Let's go back to the idea that Jesus is reminding the listeners, his disciples and the people, about the escape from Egypt into the promised land. And they were tempted to do all sorts of different things. And those temptations invariably were, I will do it my way rather than go where you're asking me to go, God. I'll do my thing. It's called pride. Uh, Underneath most of these temptations, I think, is this thing called pride. So let's have a few statements, and I'm going to give you four ways that I think pride might play out for us in a way that is tempting, that I'd really love us to pray about in some way, shape, or form. The chances are one of these four might resonate with you. If not all four, we'll see. Um, If you think about the phrase, I am, so um, I use it all the time. We've become quite a self-centered bunch of people, not just us, by the way, globally. <laughs> it's not just Shiloh Church self-centered. It's not our motto. Um, but just globally, we've become quite selfish. So uh, if, you think, if you think like, I am entitled to, it's a phrase I hear a lot, a phrase I say, I'm quite important. I deserve attention. Uh, in other words, I am the center of most of my thoughts. I am, it's me. I am. I don't think there's any accident that when God was asked his name, he says, I am. Yahweh is I am. And I just think somewhere here Jesus is reminding us that it's him, it's Yahweh, the I am, that is at the center of all health, goodness, faith, vitality, and new life. So here are four temptations. I think the temptations go a bit like this. It's it's temptations to go away from Jesus. All of these four are about going away from him. It might be to do with food, it's unlikely. It might be to do with other things, maybe. It's definitely to do with how we are tempted to not go his way and instead to go our way. You ready for four? It's four, I couldn't make it three, it's four. (laughs) Here are four seductions, four temptations that take us away from Jesus. The first one is the temptation to quit on Jesus. The temptation to quit, the temptation to stop The temptation to not go with. I am done with you, God. It's a temptation. I'm looking away. Have you you ever thought it? Because I know some of you have, because we've talked about it. And as have I sometimes. I'm done with you. This path, this journey you've asked me to follow, nope. Temptation to quit. To stop. It's a temptation. I'd say it's worse than the temptation to eat Florentines and such. I believe I can eat Florentines and however you choose to exaggerate that analogy and still not quit God. I think he cares about the quitting more than the Florentines. Do you want to replace Florentines with whatever other things you've got going on in your head? So I'm not excusing the Florentines. But that's not the real temptation, is it? It's the temptation to quit. Uh, Jesus tells a parable of the sower about how the word, the seed, gets sown in shallow ground And then the plants fizzle away because there's no depth. They quit, in effect. He loves us. He supports us. But he doesn't want us to quit on him. 
If you remember the early uh, Hebrews coming out of Egypt, one of the first things they said once they'd escaped slavery was, oh, we want to go back. It's like I'm quitting the journey. Don't quit. Lead us not to quit, Lord. Give us the Holy Spirit power to not quit the journey. Temptation to quit is the first. Um, The second is the temptation to be careless about our relationship with Jesus. It's a temptation to carelessness, not really investing in your relationship with him. Um, So many of you are in um, partnered relationships, husbands, wives, partnerships. Uh, And if you're not in a partnership like that, you all have a friend or many in the room. Do you know what it takes to, to take care of that relationship or those relationships? Quite a lot, right? Yeah. Um, so, for example, already hinted, second hint of the day, uh, if you are in a romantic relationship, 14th of February is a quite a good date to remember something. Probably. Not always, but most likely. That is Ash Wednesday. <laughs> We're all going to go around Ash Wednesday, Ash and Cross is on our heads, and our partner's going to say, what are you doing? Oh, yes, sorry, it's Valentine's Day. Um, birthdays are a good thing to remember if you're in a friendship or a relationship, aren't they? They're quite a nice thing to do. And by and large, if you've got a good friend in your life, you probably will chat to them from time to time, probably meet them for a coffee a few times a day or a week or a month, and, and sort of spend time eating with them, probably. That's probably what you'll do. You'll probably share some of your stories or some of your heart or some of your struggles, if not all, and relate, right? It's called taking care of your relationships. You probably won't want to say things that are too rude, at least not too quickly, Yes, you do look fat in that. Isn't going to go well, <laughs> FYI. Um, you're careful with what you say and how you say it. You all know this. You're all lovely people. Sometimes we can be tempted to be careless in our relationship with Jesus. And he's like, just, just take care of this thing we call relationship. Which means let's spend some time together, please. Uh, maybe chat together. Uh, maybe... Share your heart with me, he asks. I think if we're tempted to not do that, and not tempted to not be vulnerable, uh, we're going to part ways a little, aren't we? In the same way that we would with a friend. That's the second temptation. There's two more. Third, the the temptation to be reckless. So there's a difference between carelessness and recklessness. Careless can be, I've sort of forgotten, I haven't paid much attention. Um, reckless is a bit more like bravado, where I think we can, if we're not careful, treat God like we ignore him. I know he's speaking to me, but I'm just going to ignore him like what Jonah did. Terrible English, but you know I'm going here. Uh, Jonah ignored God. That's like bravado. My way is best. For a little while, um, do you know what the uh, most um, played song at funerals was? For a little while, it's not anymore, but it used to be. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. That's not Frank Sinatra, but it's my best effort. Um, That sort of celebration of doing it my way is a bit reckless with God, don't you think? God, Jesus, you've asked me to do this. Nope. My way. (laughs) 
Or perhaps we try and force him into a scenario. I think that could be a temptation. Maybe some, this will resonate with one or two of you. It certainly does with me. Um, I would do that thing for you if you do this thing for me. And I'm deliberately sort of puffing up my chest. No, it's a bit reckless, do you not? <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the people of God did it for the years, therefore we are tempted. Uh, if those who have seen a pillar of fire and a, cl- a cloud of fire and a pillar of smoke and a cl- pillar of smoke and a cloud of fire and seen God at work and seen Jesus do miracles still try to do it their way, well, we are going to be tempted to be a bit about it. <laughs> it's a temptation. Uh, the better way is called humility at the feet of Jesus, recognizing who we actually are, uh, not adopting this bravado, but instead approaching him and each other with humility. That's the third temptation. Uh, the fourth is quite frequent, as in I think this is quite a common one, and it's the temptation to blame shift. So I'm blaming others, uh, or actually sometimes we blame God for things that we don't like in our lives. I can't believe, God, you have done that to me. To which he says, well, I died on a cross. I mean, I rose from the dead for you. Yeah, but you've given me this really annoying manager at work or something. I can't believe you have done this to me. It's a temptation. The lost son, in the story, in the parable of the lost son, this happened with the older brother. If, if this just evokes a bit of memory for you, um, where the older brother who was digging the field, like dig, 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 back comes the lost son. The father figure, um, which represents something of God, embraces the lost son with open arms. And the older brother says, what? Uh, I can't believe you're doing that for him. You never did it for me. I'm sort of blaming you for all my anger. The temptation to blame him for things not going well or not our lives not being how we'd quite like them is a temptation. Do any of these resonate with you? I'm looking down. One or two are likely to. I mean, probably moments we've had, we just blame him or a bit, bit of bravado creeps in or we neglect our relationship or we're tempted to quit. This is the path where Jesus says, or we're praying, let's not go down this path. So I think it is... Of course, about the Florentines and stuff. But it really is about this. Temp- the temptation to go away from Jesus. And we're praying in a moment that um, he gives us the power to overcome these temptations. The power to overcome the, the temptation to quit, to not take care, to be reckless, and to blame shift. And then um, deliver us from the evil one. We do have an enemy. There is an enemy. He prowls around, the Bible says, prowls around us, ready to pounce, uh, ready to ruin our faith, ready to sort of wreck our relationship with Jesus, like take us way off the path, outside. Uh, We often associate the evil one with words like oppression and slavery. Certainly, the early Hebrews would have recognized that. Uh, Where there is fear, an intense fear and darkness, the chances are the evil one's prowling, at least, around. 
uh, one of uh, one of our um, somebody I work with locally. She's a client. Um, grew up in a cult. If you've ever heard of a type of cult, I won't say which one it was. Um, but it was all about um, power, control, and darkness and um, oppression, um, and telling them that they have to do certain things or else. Lots of punishment and lots of consequences. And it's only in in recent months that they've kind of felt a release from that for reasons that I won't say to you. Um, but it was a dark, not just bad, it was evil. There was an evil about it. More than just a bit poorly run. <laughs> There's a difference. It wasn't very good, and it was evil. There was a difference. There is an evil. I love the fact that Jesus tells us that all will be restored. And I'll repeat again, he has defeated evil. He is defeating evil. And he will one day completely defeat it in ways that we don't fully understand. It's being worked out and he has won at the same time. But the point for this evening is this. If you, if you are under some oppression, have experienced or under evil, Jesus will deliver you from the evil one. He might do it tonight. I make no assumptions about the stuff that any of us have experienced. It's different to temptation, isn't it? It's outside of. It's come in from. It's oppressing you. Perhaps. God will deliver you. We pray for it, and he will. I'm going to pause here, apart from this, just because I quite like the idea. Are you, are you planning to give anything up for Lent? No? Good. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> I'm not giving up anything. I think a really good thing to give up for Lent is giving up. Let's, let's like, give up on giving up for Lent. Um, so, like, eat all the Florentines alike, but don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on him. That's what this whole prayer really is. Let's pause. Let's pray. And, in fact, um, we're going pr- to pray sort of twice. So, um, pray where you are seated now is fine. Then I'm going to ask you to stand, and we'll still pray. So, bear with me here. Um, so, let's just pause and pray for a sec. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have won. The good news is the good news that... First, you have defeated evil, and second, that you give us your power to stand against temptation. So Jesus, first, we pray, lead us not into temptation. If we're tempted to quit, we pray for strength to continue, your strength. If we're tempted to be careless in our relationship, Lord, just please give us that little nudge. Holy Spirit, nudge us back to spend proper time with you. If we're tempted to be proud and reckless, Lord, we pray that you break that hard-heartedness and the front and instead fill us with humility that we can be real with you. And where we might be simmering with anger and blaming you for things, Lord, this evening we pray that by the power of your spirit you'd bring us peace, bring us back to you, Lord Jesus. Then I'm going to ask us all to stand whilst we're still prayerful. And at the same time, maybe the prayer team can just come to the front here as well. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. 
where we've experienced evil, maybe experiencing evil, Lord, just pray this evening that this would be a moment of freedom, that you'd set us free. You love to do that. This is the good news. This is who you are. Right at the outset of the Hebrew story, and therefore part of ours, you said, let my people go. You have the power. We love you for it. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord God. As the band come up, um, the prayer team are waiting, willing, keen, keen, enthusiastic. Would love to pray with you. Would love to pray with you. So you don't have to only pray here, but sometimes it can help to move. If any of this has resonated with you, the temptation or the evil one stuff, um, please come for prayer. It's a really good moment to do that. Um, The enemy hates worship. Uh, We're going to do this in an attitude of worship. The band are going to help us, but it needn't be singing, but it is. Um, But an attitude of worship. um, The the enemy hates it. He he flees from worship. So come for prayer in a worshipful heart. Uh, if, if this has landed with you at all.